We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. It's the True Faith Podcast with me, Simon Campbell, special guest, Craig Hope, and not so special guest, Emil Franchi. But you are special to us, as always. I'll take um, The podcast this weekend, because we haven't had a game, we've, we've got Craig Hope on to kind of have a bit of a review of where we're at. Um, this is obviously going out to patrons free of advertising. Um, if you're already a patron, thank you so much for doing so. Um, if anyone else would like to join for £6.60 a month for about 25 or 30, I've lost count of how many extra shows we do these days, But and you also get these shows without the adverts. Um, but we're going to crack straight on um, because we've got Craig Hope with us and I don't want to keep him up too late. Mm-hmm. Um, Craig, nice to have you on. You all right, mate? Very good. No, very good. Brilliant. Um, that's what I wanted to hear. <laughs> so um, it's been a while since I've spoken to you, Craig, where we've had to talk about a Newcastle defeat, um, <laughs> which, is a, which is a shame. But yeah, in fact, it's the first time we've lost um, multiple games, uh, consecutive games since December. Unless you forget those December games were was at Leicester, Liverpool, Man City. So mm. that was kind of a, a free pass for Eddie Howe at the time. Um, my question, just to, just to start us off, Craig, is kind of where do you think we're at now? Is this is this kind of a reminder of the limitations of this squad? Are we kind of, is it healthy that we're going to have to rein it in a bit? And we've got some more tough games to come. And this, was there a rough patch always due? Or am I being a bit unfair here? Has it just been a tough couple of games? No, I don't think it is a reminder of the of the limitations. I don't because we've spent so long arguing that this squad aren't as limited as everyone else made them out to be, namely the former manager, that we can't now go back to, oh, hold on a minute, they're limited. They're not. They had, they had three away games in eight days on the back of an incredible run. Come mm-hmm. on now. You look at the reaction on social media, radio, phone-ins, the rest of it, and the camp seems to be split between optimistic and pessimistic well, how about we find some re- some middle ground and we go with realistic? And my job as a journalist is neither to be to be pro or, or, or negative. You know, I've been accused of many things as a journalist. What I always come back to is, you know, I'm just trying to tell the truth. I'm just trying to be realistic. I'm I'm not trying to uh, to attack the club. I'm not trying to defend the club. I'm just saying it as I see it. And as I see it at the moment, is I, I honestly wouldn't be unduly worried by the by the last two games if I was a supporter. I think uh, you've got to look at it in the wider context of the injuries. And let's face it, and we'll come back to it again. The former manager would have reminded us of the injuries, no doubt. And, <laughs> and they were they, they were extensive. They were in key areas. If you actually go through the list of players, you're like, wow, how did they actually get to nil-nil in both games over, over, over 90 minutes, really? Not only yeah. that, the performance against Chelsea in itself was a was a victory. Come on, listen, they, 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 they played well at Chelsea. They deserved at least a point from that game if not more in the end. So to do that and to then to then go into Everton with a, a, another stoppage time late defeat and listen, the second half against Everton wasn't good, but and that is probably freshest in our memories. And as a result, there, there's a degree of bias with regards to the, the, the coverage and the, the analysis of it. But you've got to look at it in the in the, 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 the wider context at half time, as poor as the first half was at Everton, there was only one team going to win the game and that and that, that was Newcastle. You know, I set you off earlier that I backed nil nil at half time. I just thought it looked like a, it looked like two teams who probably were incapable of scoring. But if anyone was going to go on and nick it, bearing in mind what they'd done previously, I thought it was going to be Newcastle. So no, as a as a journalist who covers the club and has a vested interest in them surviving and staying in the league for 
my own employment prospects. Uh, I'm not at all worried by by the last two games. I think in the the bigger picture, the job Eddie Howe has done in getting Newcastle to a point whereby they can lose two games on the spin and still be nine points clear of safety, bearing in mind where they came from, is testament to the turnaround under, under Eddie. And I also think as well, you've got to look at performance and you can almost scratch the Everton one because of the injuries, three away games in seven days on the back of such a, a busy schedule. You look at the performances, Newcastle are a team heading up, not down, you know what I mean? Everton are a team heading down who managed to get a 97th minute winner somehow haven't played awfully. Newcastle are a team who are still heading up. And on the back of this trip, uh, away in Dubai for six, seven days, whatever it is, and they come back and they've still got another, another 10 days before the next game at Spurs, I've got absolutely no doubt that that level of exposure to Eddie Howe, bearing in mind what we've seen of him so far, will result in, a, in another positive run. Now, listen, Spurs will be difficult, but you've then got those three home games in a row. What is it? Wolves, Leicester, and is it, is it Palace, the one? Yeah, uh, Palace, yeah. Yeah, those three home games. Now, come on, they've only lost once at home under Eddie Howe in the league, and that was Manchester City. The chances are they're probably going to go and beat in those three home games as well. And that little points tally they'll take from that trio of matches, it's St James's for me, will be enough to see them to safety. So I guess my message is, you know, without being pessimistic or negative, uh, uh, optimistic, I'm realistic. And I think they've still done more than enough to survive. And I think they will survive. And uh, I think some of the reaction to, to the game on Thursday has been a little bit over the top. Yeah, I think, I think. Um, I mean, Emil, uh, you may, may back me up here. I think we've got to the point now where, we we've all had to adjust as supporters to Newcastle being good again. Mm, so yeah. so when you see us lose after after what ten games or something was it nine games unbeaten to see us lose again was like ah oh, this feels a bit shit again doesn't it? So I think yeah. you're getting that kind of overtop reaction, are you not, Emil? I mean, you'll know better than most from from the interactions you have after games with, with the kind of immediate kind of mm-hmm. go on. Uh, yeah, I was going to say it's just histrionics, isn't it? Really, what we're dealing with at the moment uh, in the club. But uh, no, I, I agree completely. Even being at Chelsea, it didn't feel like we'd lost. I don't know if that was just the general atmosphere of the crowd that day. But, you know, we had this, the standing section, which was fantastic. Uh, and the sooner we get one at Newcastle, the better. Um, being able to just like lean over and, and it feel menacing as fans uh, against like a, a big team, a, a wounded animal in, in recent weeks uh, to really go at them like that was great. And then to lose in the manner that we did. Obviously, it was it was made a little bit worse because of those decisions. But ultimately, I think I left Stamford Bridge feeling all right about that. Everton, when I saw the result, I was I was very disappointed. I think it was the team that we played against, and and as Craig said, it was you know a very dull affair up until that point. So to lose to Everton when they really are in trouble, um, especially after beating them so well at home that time, it, it is now where you're like, oh, that that really was stupid and like to, to lose two on the bounce we really set ourselves up to bounce back against Everton from Chelsea because we saw the performance that we put in and yeah I mean just the the general atmosphere and the mood of fans means that okay yeah there is a bit of a, a big reaction to losses people are starting to point fingers at, at who's to blame now but I, I definitely feel like people are better prepared to lose now because of the performances that Newcastle are putting in. It's almost giving Eddie and the team a free pass. You know, we might see an underwhelming lineup come out. I know a lot of people were disappointed with uh, some of the the inclusions or or, or lack of inclusion uh, in the last couple of games. But once again, you know, we, we didn't concede until the final minute. And that really says a lot about how far every single player's come under this manager and the fans are enjoying it. So, um, yeah, I think if we if we get back on it afterwards, after this little break, it's come at the right time, as people are saying. I think that, you know, if we're going to see a bit more positivity mm. and go straight to Tottenham and try and take them on, fans are just going to continue with this really, really positive thing. And, and yeah, being real about it, it's like, you know, Tottenham's going to be tough, but can we take them on? Absolutely. Fans will believe that. And they'll go down there with that, that same feeling that we had against Chelsea, where I honestly thought we were going to do something. Yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll be honest. It was a bit of a devil's advocate question. At no point am I sitting here thinking that's that's not good enough. You know, just just to be clear. <laughs> Nor am I trying to get a, a soundbite out of you, Craig, and get oh look how negative Craig's been this week. <laughs> it's more just um, I think watching watching Everton get battered today by Crystal Palace, you thought, ah, oh, come on, how come we didn't we didn't mm. do anything with them? But you know, this team was was due was due a bad day at the office. You know, it, it 
it's not the finished article and, and we can all absolutely accept that, can't we? And, you know, you're right, Craig, three away games, the amount of injuries we're carrying. This break that we've just come into has probably come at a really good time for yeah. us. I don't even expect anything out of the Spurs game, but if we come back looking a bit fresher, looking a bit better prepared and give them another game, you, the, the result doesn't matter because you said, you said it right, Craig. We're going into um, three home games in a row where you'd expect us to get probably like a minimum of seven points. Yeah. Like I genuinely expect and I'm not saying I expect that. Like I'd be disappointed that we won't get it. I'm saying I expect that because I genuinely believe that's what Eddie Howe and this team can deliver. Um, mm. what, what I will say on the, on the order of the games as well is I just think, do you know what? If Newcastle had played Everton seven days earlier on the Thursday, I think they would have absolutely beaten them. I think for Sunday, we would probably have beaten them. The fact it was the last one out of the three, I think, you know, it is in mitigation in terms of the in terms of the result and certainly the second half performance. The game they could have done with last out of the three was the one they were probably always likely to lose was the Chelsea game. Yeah, uh, yeah so, so I, I think you know you've got to take that into consideration. It was the end of three three away games in in seven days, and I'm certainly not pressing the the panic button at all. No, I mean ultimately we're looking at um, what is it, 25 points from from Eddie Howe's 18 games now. That's still mm. brilliant. That's brilliant form. And and more than enough to do the job at hand, which is to keep us clear of clear of safety. So, in that sense, um, in fact, I was doing the maths earlier. That's fifty-two points over a thirty-eight game season. So, you know, that's actually it's not even that probably gets you tenth these days because the Premier League's so top-heavy. Yeah. But tenth would be good, wouldn't it? Like, um, I suppose that that um, that leads me on to another question for you, Craig, which is what. What is the aim here for for the club and Freddie? How are you getting much out of other than the obvious one, which is to stay up? Is is mm. there kind of a incremental? Right, we, we could even try and aim for tenth. We could try and aim for top half. Or is it literally there is one job to do, and that is to keep Newcastle United in the Premier League? No, listen. If I, we've asked that question already, how and if I, if I repeat back to you what he's said to us, it is absolutely one game at a time, and I, I do think that's a sensible approach. If you if you look at the table and you think, well. European places are probably beyond Newcastle. You, you've got to admit, you know that that top eight isn't uh, isn't achievable. Uh, they're playing for for prize money, really, in terms of a, a few extra million pounds, a little bit of pride, all the rest of it. But I think more so, it is what they're playing for is just buying into Eddie Howe's way of of training, of working, his professional standards, uh, the way he wants to the the, the, the to foster this togetherness amongst the team. This is all in, in many ways, you know, listen, survival is number one here. Absolutely. Yeah. Number two is a, it's a trial run for next season in terms of him taking a look at where he wants to go and who is ready to go with him and who is going to be part of that journey. Cause this is a hell of a big summer for Newcastle. You know, you, what they can't do is be fooled too much to a degree by a, a, a big improvement this season. I still think you need to to kick on from a position of strength and that position of strength, I mean, I think Newcastle will finish the season strongly. I think they will survive comfortably. I think there will be a lot of positivity around the place going into the summer. Now, that's a position of strength. What you can't do is rest on that and expect the same guys, the same players, the same manager to do exactly the same again next season. I still think they, they need to look at this and be quite ruthless, really. And I think, you know, players who have done a brilliant job between January and May, and we might get onto one or two names during the course of the next few weeks, maybe even tonight, players who've done a very good job for Eddie Howe might find themselves still yet surplus to requirements in the summer. When you've got the, the means that Newcastle should have this summer and the ambition that the owners say they have, you know, you don't want to see one or two, one or two or two or three exchange share. You, and I know Eddie Howe's talking about the, the risks and the dangers of, of changing things too quickly and too soon. But I think there's a hell of a lot of scope to improve on a lot of areas within that squad very quickly. And I don't want to be unfair naming names. I'll let you guys throw one or two at me probably. But uh, I just think there's there's five or six or seven there who could really be improved upon, uh, even though they, they they might be the right characters and might be brought into to what Eddie wants to do. So so I know I, I think to a degree Eddie will already have one eye on next season, bearing in mind the, the points he's managed to, to put on the board. To come back to your question in terms of targets, he's given us absolutely nothing in terms of that. And I honestly <laughs> think the only remit he has is his 17th position, is survival. And listen, if it, I don't think this will happen, but if they did end up falling back to the 15th, 16th, 17th. I don't think there would be any any great shame in that either, really, bearing in mind what we've what we've seen so far and the impact he he could have. And I, 
I genuinely think that Newcastle, I was having this conversation with someone the other day that, you know, Eddie Howe, the, the age he is and everything we've seen so far, how he handles himself, how the players have responded to him. I really do think this isn't a, this isn't Manchester City's Mark Hughes. This isn't, you know, phase one. Eddie Howe will be replaced three or four years down the line. I really think they've hit upon a manager who could be one of the next great big British managers. I do bear in mind the body of work he's got behind him and the, the relatively young age he is at and the football club he is sat upon now with the, the level of resource and ambition and everything there in terms of the stadium, the supporters. Everything is ready for for takeoff, really. So, so no, to, to, to again, come back to your point, I think it's, this season was always about survival. But it is going to be a, a big summer, and Eddie will absolutely be be shaping his thinking on that between now and the end of the season. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a, a perfect point for us to leave a little gap for some adverts, which I should have done a bit earlier, but we'll do it now, and um, we'll be back after this short message. Um, unless you're on Patreon, in which case we'll be straight back um, for part two. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome back to part two of the True Faith podcast. Um, Emil, I kind of want to talk to you a little bit more about the the feeling that you get because with, with fan cams and um, obviously you were at Chelsea last week, but um, just generally... Um, what this is like compared to when you were you were doing this at the start of the season. So what what's the mood like? Do you, do you find that that people are just just generally more more buzzing? Is there a, 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 an increase in expectation, or is it just generally everyone's just enjoying the ride? Yeah, I think that's a good word for it—a a complete ride. Um, you know, I was actually thinking about this the other day from from doing all of the the videos this season for the fan cams. It's been a weird journey really when you think about it in in the the documenting of this season at Newcastle United from a pre-season game where Steve Bruce got his only win of the season to then go on and a, a really horrific run um and then to have a takeover in between all of that and then this amazing start to the year that we've had um I, I was saying to someone the other day, I can't believe that this is all the same season. It, it feels like we're due to, I, I think we should be playing Manchester United a third time at some point or Tottenham again. It's like, I can't, I, I've just like taken all of that out of my mind. Those, those weird times at the start of the year, uh, at the start of the season, sorry. But yeah, I mean, it's like a carnival atmosphere now when fans come over. It was very angry before that, um, the same stuff was getting picked apart by fans. Uh, people just really wanting to lay into the manager, saying he's not good enough, he's got to go. Um, you know, getting called all sorts under the sun. Uh, Mike Ashley too, in a very famous clip. Um, but you know, now people come over and they're just, you know, they're, they're just full of life. They, they know that things are going well, and and I think until we got the the unbeaten run. It, it was still quite hard because I think that was frustrating for a lot of people to be like, 
you know, this takeover's happening, but sorry, it's happened, but we're, we're really struggling to enjoy it because we are just so hampered by a lack of quality. And, and you know, whatever happened uh, over Christmas and, and heading to, to Saudi Arabia, something changed. And now everyone can enjoy it a little bit more. I know the transfers obviously happened as well, but, you know, just the improvement of, of Joe Linton, like being able to talk to fans about him. You've seen the fanfare that he gets from the, the lads who have the shirts who, who appear regularly on the fan cams and, you know, the, the, the way that that story's been 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 used by the fans now to be like, just look at the, the transformation. It's like the case study of the takeover without having to spend anything uh, extra on him. It's it's just really, like, refreshing. And I, I enjoy it a lot, um, you know, we have like a, a solid group of people who who I know of Twitter now who who will catch up after the match and stuff and and even if that's just beating Aston Villa one nil on a Sunday, you know we'll be we'll be out like having a great little time and just being able to enjoy it again and I think that really is you know what the football experience should be. It it, it was becoming depressing. It was becoming really really hard to go to those games and and enjoy them. Um, I mean. Side, you didn't even want to go at, at, at some points. I, I know that it was like because of the, the the quality of the football was that bad, and and that was it. Like when I was sat there in those first few games, fans were sick from the first kick. There was nothing to enjoy this season. So, yeah, it's almost like everyone's just been injected by this this positivity, and and really that that is that is great now. Um, and it, it's it's just you know doubled in size since we've had the um the the brilliant form that we were in. It's yeah, the, pre- it's pre- the previous manager clacks from me. <laughs> there, was, <laughs> there was a factor in why I wasn't uh, as keen to go to the match at, um, a couple of years ago. Craig, go on. Sorry. Yeah, it, it, it's to come back to what Emil said. Then that feeling amongst supporters, it's the and we feel this in the press box as well. It's the sense of occasion in every home game now is, yeah. and I make this point to people. You had to have been there previously to appreciate how how good it is and how different it is now. Now, by sense of occasion, I mean, you know, I've been lucky enough in in my line of work to have watched football matches all around the world. And the one thing I always used to say was that the Premier League didn't get right compared to foreign games was the pre-match atmosphere, the be it the one hour before the game, the half an hour, the 15 minutes. Now, Newcastle yet and Premier League grounds, I don't think will ever be at the point whereby you have an hour build up to matches. I remember being at, uh, you know, bragging here, the Boca Juniors River Plate uh, at La Bombonera, you know, the Super Classico in Buenos Aires, which was just incredible. And the 90 minutes before the match was far better than the 90 minutes during the match, I can assure you of that. But it was that it was that sense of occasion, that sense of carnival. Now, you go to Newcastle now and you want to be in the ground 10, 15 minutes before kickoff just for the, the build-up, the songs, the flags, the noise, everything. I was covering Middlesbrough versus uh, Chelsea, uh, on, on on Saturday night in the FA Cup, and this was this was a huge game for them, the biggest crowd in in five or six years at the at the Riverside. Uh, a, a, a great atmosphere, a, a good atmosphere, and a, a sense of occasion. But still, and I said this to to a couple of my journalistic colleagues in the press box next to me, still nowhere close, nowhere near to what we're experiencing in Newcastle at the moment. You look around the press box at St James's, and you have visiting press, you have foreign press, and from ten to three, five to three, or whatever that is before kickoff. They've got the phones out, they've got the cameras out, and they're capturing something that feels unique and feels a, 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 a real privilege to be part of. And I, I do think the team is feeding off that. It just goes back to, to what Emil said. We we weren't feeling that and we weren't experiencing that before the takeover, and, and certainly not before before Eddie Howe as well. So no, it is a, a special place to be around. The the team has been away for too long now, three days on the three games on the on, on the road in a week. I think that you know. They're overdue coming back to St James's, where they clearly feel at home. They clearly feel loved there. They're clearly inspired by the crowds. Uh, and you know that little run of three home games, as I alluded to earlier, will just be the stretch. I think that the I was going to say saves Newcastle's season. That, that sees them survive quite comfortably. Uh, and yeah, that, listen, the occasions now are just a, a real joy to behold. And I, I say that as a, as a as a as a journalist as well. Someone sat in the press box. It it really is something to. Uh, something to see of her. That Brighton game in particular, I, I thought was just special. It, it felt emotional. Um, 
you know, the sun was shining. I think that was the first day that it felt like, you know, we're into this, we're into this great run. And I think as a team, we we did feel invincible. I, I thought Brighton was going to be a potential uh, banana skin because of the the form that we've had against them. But you know, to to, to enter that arena, the the atmosphere that that we were creating before the match, the you know the work that War Flags put in with all of the the stuff on the seats to spell out away the lads in, in Newcastle. You know, people are wanting to start going a little bit earlier and to get in there and, and soak it up. I, I certainly did anyway, and you know just to see what it's like. And and I really enjoyed that that day, that that whole experience. It was just an event. Uh, and yeah, it was fantastic, wasn't it, Si? Yeah, so, but, so, but that, was, people... that was always Mike Ashley's dream, wasn't it? Get them in at quarter to three, you know. <laughs> God, God, come so... the end or coming in at quarter past. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. You're right there, you're right there. That's exactly it. That's exactly it. Uh, it's part. It's the biggest part of the weekend. Again, the Newcastle United game is the biggest part of the weekend for me, for anyone supporting, for you, Craig, probably from... A, professional perspective as well like it's a it's big news again every Newcastle mm. game is massive and 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 deserves attention but yes uh, the the Brighton game in particular Emil c- certain members of this podcast felt it necessary <laughs> to to pre-mix some drinks to take and to keep the keep the party going but uh, we'll not go into any more detail on that can't believe Craig a... did that can't believe it <laughs> <laughs> uh but yeah, that's exactly it. I just going to the game. Like I, I am now in the boat with ten thousand other um, Newcastle fans who gave up their tickets under the previous manager, thinking, "How on earth am I ever going to get get my season ticket back?" Because there'll be four times as many people wanting whatever's mm. left of the tickets mm. whenever they eventually make an announcement about it, which is which is massive. I mean, I'm lucky enough being part of this podcast. I've got lots of friends and family who support Newcastle get the games. I probably won't be short of tickets for home games, but I, I genuinely don't know how that's that demand is going to ever be met without without a new stadium or something, but that's probably a, a much much wider conversation to be had in the summer once we know that we're a Premier League club going to the moon, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, is that where they're going to do the stadium? Is that where it's the only place <laughs> yeah. to spare land? First, <laughs> first club on the moon. Yeah, yeah. Um, it would certainly be a safer place than planet Earth right now. Right, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah, that, that is there. true. That is true. Craig, you did mention earlier um, about individuals now. It is, it is coming to that point now, as you said, Eddie Howe's got one eye on next season. The club's got yeah. one eye on next season. Some of these players are going to have one eye on next season as well. And I think it's a good time to kind of assess who who is going on that journey with, with, with us. If we really are, you know, as you said earlier, it seems like we're probably just about there with safety, certainly after these next few home games. You'd like to think that's that's job done. And then it's a case of, right, what next? How many of these players? Because we all know that you can't just replace a squad and, and start again. You're going to have to take the core with you and keep mm. adding quality to it so there's a long list of players who you would have written off um just a month or two ago and i'm finding this really difficult because i get far too sentimental about players that, that genuinely seem to care about newcastle and that could apply to all of them right now but craig uh, do, do, do you have anyone in mind yourself or do you have any insight into kind of what where, what they're building this team around with mm. a kind of one or two to five year plan well, what Eddie always does is, if you ask him about any player, he will always big them up in public. Uh, the previous manager wasn't always like that. Uh, but, you know, you, you can ask Eddie about any individual who may be in the team or on the fringes, and he will always make a point of, of, of being very positive. So in that respect, you've got to learn how to how to read, how to, to read exactly what he means. But I think a few examples, players who... Uh, before there was the upturn under Eddie Howe, if we'd sat down as, as, as journalists and you guys as, as supporters and we'd, we'd worked out who would be part of what Newcastle United are going to be going forward, I'll throw three names at you who wouldn't have been part of that. Ryan Fraser, Joe Linton and John Joe Shelby. They just wouldn't have been. No, now yeah. you're looking at those three and how they've responded under, under Eddie Howe, uh, the, way they, the way they were playing and, you know... Uh, their absolute importance to, to, to what Newcastle United have done this season, uh, I think has probably won them a place in, in Eddie Howe's, certainly his, his medium-term thinking. Uh, you know, I, th- I think you're looking at those three, absolutely has been a, a definite part of the squad. There are others who have come in and, and done a job and done well, but I still think I'll probably play them for the future. Into that category, I would drop perhaps the likes of Jacob Murphy, uh, certainly Emil Kraft to a degree, uh, who else is there? And obviously, obviously, Joe Willock is a young player who will stay. Who's on a on a long term contract. On St. Maximum, a, a wonderful player who I think is worth exploring more within this podcast. Bearing in mind the fallout that's been post Everton, 
and, and, and who else is there? Fabian Shaw, someone who, another one I would probably throw into the, the John Joe Shelby, Joe Linton, uh, Ryan Fraser category, who will absolutely uh, will, will, will earn a new deal and will still be at Newcastle as part of the plans going forward next season. There's then the others who, Isaac Hayden, Jamal Lewis, uh, who you probably think that the days at the club might be numbered, Paul Dummett, uh, Matt Ritchie. Now, I know Matt Ritchie is, a, is an absolute disciple of Eddie Howe. He will see him as, as integral, as sort of to, to not necessarily what he's done on the pitch so far, but off the pitch. Matt Ritchie will be a standard bearer, bearer in training, you know, when he is fitting and around the place because he absolutely 100% buys into everything Eddie does. So, so know that there are some big decisions to, to make there. And I'd be interested to get your guys' take on it. I, I, listen, there's still a few games to go this season. I don't think it's necessarily the right time to be saying uh, yes or no with, with regard to those names. But, you know, what I've said there, do you guys agree? Disagree? Would you be more ruthless? Would you be more forgiving with some of the names I, I've mentioned there? I, I, th- I was just about to use that word, ruthless. I think that's what has to happen now. Before Newcastle, we wanted to cling on to players because... You know the, the likes of Miguel Almiron. I think his his value mm. was, was probably raised by Newcastle fans just because he was like a a glimmer of hope uh, in like some of the darkest times. You know his, mm. his smile that people used to celebrate, mm-hmm. being like, "Oh, you can't get rid of Miggy, you'll upset him or something like that." But now, you know, we, we've obviously realised that the the way that the club's going, we do we do just have to cut our losses with with a lot of people now. Before you know, the club were reluctant to sell and. People used to say cut our losses with Joe Linton. Thank God we didn't really. But mm. equally, I think with Joe Linton, he's a brilliant player. And I hope I don't get any stick for this. But I still think that the way Newcastle are going, they will need to improve on Joe Linton as well. Like that's the ruthless nature I think that this club will have. If we get a sniff of, of like some bigger player coming in, like you know how there was all the talk of Sven Botman at centre back and uh, Carlos potentially coming in. Uh, you know, th- those are going to be the the norm targets, I think, in in future windows. So it's not going to be like January, where it was a little bit desperate to try and get some of these players in. So you did find yourself buying, you know, your Chris Woods and your your Dan Burns and your targets, the unglamorous ones. But yeah, I think that I think there's definite area for improvement. But I mean, even the way that things are with Hayden now, the fact that he's not in the squad, the injury that seems to have just ruled him out for the rest of it now he probably accepts that he, he's done his bit. And I think Newcastle fans can accept that as well. And, and it's definitely time for, for getting rid of some of the, the dead wood, if you like, uh, that, mm. that just aren't going to be able to keep up with the competition that this, this squad's got in it all of a sudden, you know, you've got, you've got the main players now who are playing week in week out, but I don't, I don't know what you feel like, Si. I mean, it's, um, it certainly feels like they're going to be getting rid of like a lot of them straight away. Yeah, like there's there's a need to be ruthless. Ruthless is the right word. Uh, it's always said about about Kevin Keegan. He was very good at it. You'd get players to the to the level that they could feasibly achieve, and then and then and then try and move us to the next level. Um, I do think of some some times that's backfired. You think of over the years like Aaron Hughes, Nobby Solano. Um, they, they went far too early. Mm. Um, there's times when you when you move on good servants of the club with a view to improving things, and it doesn't work. So you has got to be really careful. You can make mistakes just doing that. Um, I wouldn't disagree with most of your assessment of the of the squad there, though, Craig. Chris Wood is a is a really interesting one. Um, I just I cannot see what he brings to a team that's going to try and finish in the top ten personally. But I also value what he's doing for us, and can, you know mm. we've only lost two games with him in the team, um, and th- certainly through no fault of his. Mm. Uh, it's just a case of he's he's there to do some sort of job. While Wilson's out, but is Wilson the long-term answer? Probably not, because he's just he's never going to complete a full season. So mm. we've got to be looking at a more a more permanent centre forward. Ser- um, serious questions over Wilson's future. Bearing in mind, professional footballers are only good when they play. You know, I, I've always made this argument. One of my big bugbears is players who become better when they're out injured. It's happened. It, it happened. It's happened. You know, it's happened down the years. Every club, especially at Newcastle, injured players somehow when they're missing, the team is losing. Their value and their appreciation is accentuated. Mm. Hold on a minute, you're effing injured. <laughs> it, it re- it's one of my bugbears that you know I like players who play, and as much as I, I really have been surprised by how good Callum Wilson is, he's actually taken me back at how good a footballer he is. He doesn't play enough, and yeah. when you guys will want to go, and the fact that you've actually got limits now on a on a on a 25 man squad, that's a very real consideration. Uh, 
I think there's a, a serious question to be asked over Wilson's future. Bear in mind, he is 30. The, the, the asterisk to all of that is I think he's an absolutely wonderful player. Yeah, yeah. it's whether he becomes a second fiddle to a to a bigger name is is the question, isn't? It? Then you're not so worried about if he's if he's got some injuries. Um, but yeah, we're going to have to be. You know, I, I love Javi Mankio, but we're going to have to be ruthless. We need a proper right back. Mankio and Kraft aren't good enough to to get us into the top ten, in my opinion. Um, I think Dan Burns an interesting one, and we thought he was just coming in to kind of sure up the numbers, give us another option at the back. But he's an absolutely undroppable mountain of a player, and again, yeah. he's he's made a couple of mistakes couple of mistakes last couple of games but i do not hold that against him at all for his performances overall so far he's been he's been a revelation and he's he's a local lad and that that probably comes into play a bit doesn't it in terms of homegrown players i think that's why the likes of sean longstaff probably still got a chance jamal lewis probably mm. still got a chance um homegrown players are always going to be the, the the ones you kind of keep around from your core of players because you're likely to bring in your sven botmans and 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 whoever else is on the on the horizon from from the continent so i mean again the, there must be a massive planet i'm sure they're already working massively hard on on what that looks like and how fast that happens so it mm. is a case if you don't want to just bring in six new players in the in the summer straight into the squad or do you um it's probably going to be a more gradual thing a couple of signings there then maybe we'll get to january and, and add more quality again if we're going in the right direction but i don't I know Craig, six, you probably i, I, I think I think six is a fair number. I think when you look at what they did in January with it was five in the end, wasn't it? Yeah, five. Mm. I think six for, for this summer is a fair number. What you don't want to see is, is, is like I say, finishing the season really well and saying, well, you know what, Let, let's let's do two or three. I think there is I think there is real scope for, for a good new five or six there. Then over the course of two windows, you've managed to change half the squad. Uh, and to, to, to come back to your point about Chris Wood as well, I think Chris Wood would be an interesting one in terms of what they do this summer, because when Wood was signed, the justification giving was always that it was in the isolation of what Chris Wood could bring this season. Now, mm. going into the summer, even though he's a, he's a £25 million asset, that's a, a lot of money. It would just be interesting to, to see their thinking and their level of ruthlessness slash ambition in terms of what they do in the, in the striking department. Again, going back to the point we made about Callum Wilson, a wonderful player who doesn't play Dwight Gale, someone who will absolutely be moved on uh, this summer. So you could be in a situation where you're starting from from scratch to a degree, looking at bringing in a, a first choice and even a, a potentially a second choice new, new strike force, really, if you're mm -hmm. looking to take your team from, from where they are to where. Because as you made the point there, side, Chris Wood is not all of a sudden going to become a, a top 10 centre forward. He's not looking no. at his history. He does a job in a team that survives and he's coming to Newcastle and he has to an extent on a job. Now, I think if you break down in isolation of Chris Wood's own performances, if you put together a highlight reel after every game, and you just sat back and watched what Chris Wood did on a little, a little show reel. I, I think you'd say, you'd say he's played poorly to a degree. <laughs> no, I, I agree. I agree. I agree. I honestly think you would. But in the wider context of what he's done to the team and how other players have fed off him, and for a guy to come in to a losing team and play his first nine matches and not be on the losing side once, I think he deserves huge credit for that. Uh, I think he's a good character. Uh, I echo everything Eddie Howe says in terms of how he's just fitted the structure of the team at the uh, the, the, the right time. Uh, so, yeah, but, but it will be interesting to see what we do in that department in the, in the summer. What do you, what do you think of uh, Matt Target's situation, Craig? Because I know there's been talk that you know it might happen and it might be one of the permanent deals that they're trying to push through. Is is there is there positive sounds on that front and, and how he's going to fit into the the future at Newcastle if he's going to stick around? I think based on what you've seen so far, I think you absolutely go out and sign Matt Target. I think he's been excellent at doing. I I made this point in in January. I think it might have even been on here that out of the five January signings. Uh, I thought that, you know, the sexiest was Bruno Gomares, but I said arguably the most, sorry, the, the, the two sexiest were Kieran Trippier and Bruno Gomares. But I said the two most important could end up being Dan Byrne and Matt Target. Now, Trippier has yeah. been injured, so, you know, that, that that negates that to a degree. But Byrne and Target, for me, have been absolutely integral to the, to the turnaround. Uh, I don't know what you guys think, because Matt Target... He's the footballer who looks least like a professional footballer. He doesn't <laughs> run like a footballer. He doesn't kick it like a footballer. He doesn't look like a footballer. 
But wow, he's a good footballer, isn't he? Yeah. He, he? He really is. And if I was Newcastle, if the price is being talked about, you know, somewhere in the region of 12 to 15 million pounds, the same as what you paid for Jamalewis, for me, I think you go out and buy Matt Targets. It's, uh, it's, a, it's a really funny one with Matt Target because, again, it's, he's been brilliant to watch. Um, but I don't know if that's just got, got rose-tinted glasses a little bit just because we've got so used to watching a right winger play left back for Newcastle. Before that, you had kind of Paul Dummett in out of the team. He's not really a fullback. He's more of a centre-half who just does a job there. Uh, Jamal Lewis just had a torrid run under under Bruce and his, his confidence was killed. I, I haven't written him off as a player, by the way. I think there's some talent there. But yeah, I, I think just watching a left-footed left-back play left-back properly has been such a revelation that it looks mint. And it, 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 it was balancing perfectly as well before Trippier got injured. Having both those fullbacks being able to do their job and also contribute going forward. It's just something we haven't seen for so long. So on the one hand, yes, obviously, if we can get him for 15 million or less, it's a no-brainer. But is he is he top class or is he just a really good solid left back that, that kind of adds something to your team? But again, it depends how high our ambitions are going to go this summer because maybe maybe that's where your ruthlessness kicks in because yeah he's had, he's had a he's had a handful of really good performances but are there better left backs available have we have we left that option open because it's because it's a loan deal I think while he's there it, it's good to have and if he's putting in that performance now at this early stage of it then then that's one of those players that that will probably be improved by by more uh, bigger signings coming in next season I'm not expecting us to be you know like battling it out at the top next season but having target in there for say a cup run that that that's important to have to have a character like that and I think that really I don't know. I mean, like, look at look at the way that Villa are playing. I know that he's obviously made way for for Luca Dean, but he's um, he, he played every game for them, and and Villa are, are shooting up the table now. And okay, he's not really played much of a part in that. But I think that if you look at Villa and what they've got with with their signings and and the team that they've got, they haven't got these you know sexy names as, as Craig's mentioned coming in, apart from maybe Coutinho. But Newcastle are going to be very similar to Villa next year because we've still got a lot of time to go until we we get a team that's going to be like your your man city or your, your liverpool they're going to have to build that so i think having target in there is quite important yeah honestly i, I would go and sign matt if i was newcastle I would go, based on what i've seen so far i would go and sign matt target i think that is a he's massively improved on on what they had uh yeah for me i, I think it's a no-brainer i really do yeah no no i was i was Again, sort of playing devil's advocate, but again, I, I've just been. I think it's a you revelation. You're knocking him. You want better. <laughs> I'm just just asking the question, but yeah, I, I just I, I can't get my head out of the idea. That More Brazilians. Just, this is what it looks like to have a left back, and we'd forgotten this, and that's why it looks that much better. But yeah, no, yes, he, he has been a really good player for us. On the subject of Brazilians, uh, I mean, you've been to a couple of the games recently. Uh, yeah. What do you make of Bruno Camarões? Because you know, I've, I've seen. I think I've. Have I seen? I haven't seen. I haven't actually been present in the ground for any of his any of his three starts the the past week. I've seen, I've seen the games and I've seen the highlight reels and all the rest of it. But interested to get your take as someone who was who was in the ground because I spoke to a, uh, I spoke to a friend, Chris Murphy, who's a, a patron subscriber. I know he's a, he's a friend of one of you t- you guys as well, and he was at the Southampton game and he said as much as he scored the goal. He said he didn't think Bruno played particularly well in the wider context of the of the team. And I, having watched most of the game back, I, I tended to agree to an extent. What do you guys think? Yeah, I I know what you mean because I think it's because the, the, the Southampton goal. If he hadn't scored that, then it would have been a very average performance from him. Mm. Um, but the, there's just little things, little flashes of brilliance where he seems to come into it, and I think we'll get a better feel for what he's like uh, as he grows into this squad. And again, very similar situation. I would think, you know, if, if he gets more quality players around him in that team, that then maybe we'll start to see a, a real player come out. Uh, and he's, he's still young as well. I, I think his performances have been sound. I really enjoyed mm. him against Chelsea in particular. Um, you know, he was, he was a nuisance to them and, and wound them up a bit and went looking for fouls, uh, got us further up the pitch. He, he was just up for it. You know, he was even like given the, given the arm raise to the, uh, to the away fans mm. being like, you know, come on, we've, we've got this. So the fact he's bought into it so quickly, I think, helps um and in a way I, I think he's one of those players that will just get better and better and better i'm really yeah. excited it's just going to be how how do we balance that midfield that's the that's the hardest thing at the minute mm-hmm. working out who who starts and who goes where because 
really, I would think he's cemented his place now that they've had a, a LaSalle situation like that with Byrne. You know, Byrne came in for, for LaSalle's when he was out. So now that Bruno's in there while Shelby's been away and while Joe Linton had his uh, illness, now it's going to be very hard for, for Eddie Howe to, to figure out who stays and, and who goes in that centre bit because that, that's even harder than the, the striking options, I would think. It's... <laughs> I might be unpopular here, but I, I, I don't think Bruno's quite there yet. I think um, I would agree with your assessment, Craig, especially that Southampton game. I thought he and Shelby were a bit... They, you could tell they weren't in sync, which is fine. You know, it's a brand mm. new player's first start, and you know, it's going to take a while well. for that to gel. And they didn't have Joe Linton in the middle of it, just, just yeah. sewing everything together, because I think any midfield works with him in the kind of form he's been in. He just pulls everything together. But I think what, what Guimarães lacks is the physicality for the Premier League. And that's something that will come with time. I'd imagine Eddie Howe's got him on some canny gym regime to, to bulk himself up just a little bit because he's, he's on Instagram all the time. So he's, honestly, he, <laughs> he puts his videos up. It's almost like Eddie Howe's checking in because I keep seeing him. He's in like this private health gym and yeah. he's like doing all these press-ups with dumbbells. He's really going to try and, you know, bulk himself up. So I guess that makes sense. Well, yeah, I, I just think um, he looks a bit lightweight. He is he's a sm- quite a small guy, um, especially standing next to Joe Linton in midfield. But yeah, he was he was he wasn't quite coming together. He, he gets knocked over quite a bit. But I think the the the, the flair and ability is there. You can see how good a footballer is. You can see how good his control is. How quickly, not just how well he picks up a pass, but how quickly he picks a pass and it's the right pass. And a couple yeah. of those balls through. Um, against Everton were were just un- unbelievable. I mean, there wasn't enough of it. Wasn't enough of it, but. I, there's definitely a hell of a player in there. And I think it's going to take a little bit longer. Um, and I think we do, in the form we've been in, again, I could, I never thought I'd ever say this again, but I think we've missed John Joe Shelby. I think he's, yeah. he's when he's playing the way he is and when he's got a manager giving him the right instructions and he's got teammates around him doing all the right things, he's an excellent, excellent footballer. And he really is given Eddie Howe and the club a, a decision to make about whether or not he sticks around um, after after this season. So, yeah, I, I think the midfield is a real conundrum. It's a really difficult one. Um, and getting that balance right going forward because Joe Willicks recaptured the form we, we thought, thought we were getting when we signed him. Um, you can't write off Sean Longstaff, who's looked much, much better the last few times he came on. I mean, he came on at Leeds and, and we won the game, basically changed the game, him and um, him and Mankio. Yeah. And it was just like, I, I do not envy the job of Eddie Howe here um, because there's, 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 there's players who we'd all written off and that it's probably most of the squad. And this is where I would be terrible at this because I could not be ruthful with any of these players because I'm just starting to fall in love with all of these, the, the, the whole club again. Apart yeah. from Matt Target, you've killed him, haven't you? Yeah. <laughs> it's, not, it's, not a, it's not a permanent signing until he is. I, I, uh, I'm, I'm allowed to talk about me place with Villa still. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think there's, there's one more name. We'll touch on it quickly because I think this is a podcast in its own right. Um, you, you mentioned him before, Craig, and I, I just kind of want to get your thoughts into what is going on with Alan Saint-Maximin. Now, we, we don't have a clue. Like No one seems to have a clue. He did, he did, he's, he's been unwell. He didn't look fit when he came on. He's... Um, what what's what's going on there, Craig? What's what's your thoughts? Listen, if, 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 listen, I talk to a lot of people around it, and if, if they're all to be believed, then he's been carrying an injury for a while now, and he was actually pain playing, sorry, through the pain barrier. You know, we use that phrase, don't we? He was playing through the pain barrier during Newcastle's good run when when he was instrumental, and they come to a point whereby he did need a rest, he did need to be to be taken out of it. There was a little bit of an illness in there in the midst of his his recovery as well. And I just think you. You've seen a player who, again, it comes back to the, the Callum Wilson thing as well, we're playing games, you know, St Max's fitness and injury record has been a little bit sketchy over the over the past couple of seasons since he came in. And he had such an impact and made such a difference in terms of taking Newcastle from where they where they were to, to where they are now during that run that I think he almost just, just ran out of steam. He conked out to a degree. And uh, because he is so important, Eddie Howe has been trying to, to keep him involved, albeit from the bench and the... The last couple of weeks and it just hasn't really worked when he when he comes on he seems like a player who in theory Alan St Maximum should be the perfect impact substitute in practice it doesn't really work when he when he comes on in those I know Burnley last year was an exception but we've seen it a few times when he comes on he he comes on almost with too much to prove and he's a greedy he's a greedy player anyway by nature who's even mm. greedier in it you know he, he, he he takes a while to, to to warm up and to to feel his way into games. Often, uh, you know, we've seen that his best impact in some matches is set in the second half, but only when he started the match. So, 
uh, yeah, it hasn't really worked. The, the, this impact subro the last couple, coupled with the fact that he probably isn't fit, he's probably physically and mentally fatigued as well. But I think some of the criticism, you know, has to be tempered. This is a player who, over the course of the last two seasons, more than any other, has done more to take Newcastle's points tally from where it shouldn't be to where it ended up being. Certainly under the previous manager, and even mm. to a de- to a degree under Eddie Howe. So. Uh, he is a challenge for Eddie to integrate him to the team for where he wants to go. Because if you think of where Eddie Howe wants to take the team in terms of having more players like Bruno Gomares, passers who retain possession, who are part of a, a well-functioning unit, you know, almost to use the extreme, to what Man City are like. Now, Alan St. Maximum probably wouldn't be tolerated at Manchester City. So, you know, it, it isn't an extreme example I'm using, but... For where Eddie Howe wants to go, does Alan St. Maximum fit into that long term? Well, it'll be an interesting one to, to look out for. But certainly in the short term, wow, what, what an important player he is in terms of where Newcastle are right now. And I think some of the criticism in the past couple of weeks has to be tempered in terms of taking in all the factors I've just tried to, to spell out for us there. Yeah, he's, he's the one, like, as I always ask myself, how on earth did we stay up for, for two years with, with Bruce? And he's one of the main reasons, really, isn't he? Like, yeah, there was, there was games... Code. A cheat code, as we said. Yeah, literally. <laughs> like, he's, he, we, we were winning games we had no right winning because of one moment of brilliance. And, and yeah, he's he's definitely got that in his locker. And, and hopefully we can we can sort him out, get him get him back, get him fit, and get his head into the into the Eddie Howe project. Because that's the other worry, isn't it? It's that he's, he's his own man and he can... You can maybe afford to have one player like that in a, in a team that, that works really hard, but what, how does that go down with the other players? What's his relationship going to be with other other big names coming in? It's 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 a really interesting one. And again, I do not envy Eddie Howe, but I do believe he has the the, the capability to to handle that right and make the right decision. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I just want to see Maximan play more games for Newcastle. He's a, he's a wonderful footballer to watch when he's on his game, and mm-hmm. you don't like yeah. seeing him play like he did. At Everton there where something just wasn't right and yeah if it's his fitness if it's I agree I I whenever he's not starting you think oh well if we'll get ourselves to 60 minutes get St Max on well you'll nick us the game but it never never really comes together like that you're right he's not mm. an impact player he does like take a bit of time to get going in in a 90 minute game but he does always get going so um you just want really to hasn't looked to... like he's been enjoying the last few like like you say i think there was there's moments this season where he's felt like taking the opposition on the man united game was a big example of that um when he got his goal um you know it was it was hatem banafa esque uh, the way he was taking the teams on so mm. getting back to a position where he can feel like he can run the game allow him to do that a little bit more and and perhaps we'll we'll start seeing the san maximan of old i really hope so i really hope so and to be honest, I think there's a, there's a whole podcast in the Alan St. Maximan that we'll probably do on Patreon uh, this coming this coming fortnight where we don't have a, a game to talk about. Speaking of which, Craig will be joining us again also on Patreon uh, later this week or back end of this week um, for a bit of a Q&A. So I'm hoping uh, that this is a shout out for some questions in from listeners. Um, which Get your questions be- in any subject, any topic, you know, not necessarily current. Let's look back into the, the archives and Tell a couple of stories, yet. Yeah. Ask some questions. Oh, I wonder what they'll ask. <laughs> <laughs> can't can't wait for the Pardew questions. <laughs> I like I like Pardew. <laughs> that, that just about does it though for now. Um, thank you very much to you both, gentlemen. It's been a it's been a pleasure. Um, we've got plenty more coming up on Patreon. Obviously, during the break, we've got a TFAQ with Charlotte. Um, Norman's doing doing plenty of stuff for Mark. There's a pro view. Um, and and I'm missing loads of stuff. Emil, help me out here. State of plays coming soon, which will which will also be a free podcast. So that that's always a good one to get the thoughts of uh, two of Newcastle's harshest critics uh, actually talking positively about the club again. It's really nice to hear Alex <laughs> and Norman enjoying that. <laughs> nice, and and plenty more. So loads. this has been the True Faith Podcast. Thank you very much, all. <laughs>